Hi, baby. Oh, <laughs> speaking of doggos, he's like, oh, you're going to look at me and talk to me? I'm going to come Barley, in. you know you're not supposed to be in here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's an invitation. Awesome. Okay. Well, hello, listeners. Thank you for tuning in again. Um, I've got another guest from the Isle of Misfit Toys that is Modify Tattoo. Um, had a little bit of a convo, and, and uh, luckily they were willing to, to come on and share some of their story. Uh, Kayla Simmer, ladies and gentlemen. That's and, me. And, and then they're like, what? Clapping, yeah. Watching and clapping. <laughs> As they should be. Yeah. Um, okay. How old are you again? I'll be 26 in March. 26. Okay. What What was the town that you grew up in? Born in Cloquet. Mm-hmm. Uh, was there until second grade. We moved to Sandstone. Okay. Which is, a lot of people don't know Sandstone, but they know Hinkley. It's about 10 miles north of Hinkley. Right. Very small town. Okay. Yeah. Do you have siblings? I have two full brothers and then a half brother and a half sister and a stepbrother. So, yeah, okay. five of them. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. There's a few of us. Gets pretty busy. And where, where do you land in the mix? I am the second oldest. My older brother is 27. Yeah. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Not a huge difference. But the little ones are 11 and 12. Oh, okay. We'll be 11 and then 12. So, there's a nice gap there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. At family holidays. <laughs> I guess. So where did you go to school? East Central. It's not in Sandstone, but it's the school district that Sandstone kids would go to. It's in Ascove, which is oh, oh, okay. even smaller. It's yeah, a yeah. little bit more north. It's a little bit more toward Duluth area. So like was Duluth the destination for you guys or like, um, it, like if you were going to go and do something or. I suppose. Yeah. Like. Going to the mall, we would go to the Miller Hill Mall in Duluth because that was just the closest. But Cloquet was like another bigger town close to us, but that's still, you know, 45 minutes yeah. from us. Um, otherwise, like Walmart would still be 15, 20 minute drive. Oh, wow. Yeah. I graduated with 48 people. Whoa. Yeah. Very uh, small area. You know, bumfuck nowhere, basically. Yeah. Yeah. That's super interesting. Mm hmm. You don't hear that very often anymore, like no. those smaller classes. No. Nope. Wow, that's so wild. So so then that, that's that got to be a community where everybody kind of knows everyone? Basically, yeah. There's not... I mean, there were cliques in school, I guess, but there weren't so much... People still got along. I mean, obviously, there's still drama and stuff like that, but it wasn't as clicky as you would see in like bigger communities or bigger schools. Yeah. Yeah. Probably more stringent on like your age versus... like. Yeah. What did your parents do for work? My dad, well, actually, both my parents were dealers at Black Bear Casino in Cloquet for a while. And then when we moved up north to Sandstone, they both started working at the Grand Casino in Hinkley. Um, they started in different departments. I want to say they started in the bank. And then eventually my dad started dealing again. And then my mom was a high stakes beverage server. Oh. Mm-hmm. So that's where they were when they were, um, before they separated, they were basically there together. Um, my dad was at the casino up until, uh, 
well, a little bit off and on, but up until COVID hit. And um, the casino ended up actually letting go probably over half their staff because of COVID. And my dad was one of them, unfortunately. Oh, so. wow. Yeah, but my uh, mom, I want to say, worked there from like 2002 until maybe, let's see here, I was probably like 12. Yeah, so maybe like 2008. So a few years, a little bit, well, a lot shorter than my dad did, but yeah, she was there for a little bit. I mean, that's that's got to be wild. So did you have other family that were in Sandstone? Mm-mm. No. No. And- um, most of my family, well, from both of my parents' sides, uh, were in like Duluth, Cloquet, and then otherwise, I guess my mom's mom was in the cities, but nobody in the Pine County area. Uh, my uncle ended up moving to Finlayson, which is basically right there with Askov and Sandstone, but that wasn't until a few years later, I think. Okay. Um, But there was nobody originally in Sandstone. I guess I'm not even sure what the reason was behind moving down that way. I never asked. <laughs> um, But that's interesting because the the work schedule for people that are at a casino, I would imagine, is kind of wild. Definitely. So having kids that are going to school, like, did you see mom and dad a lot or... I guess I don't even remember. It's hard to distinguish when they were actually at work or when they were just out Mm. or like when their shift changed. So I know at some point my dad worked really earlier, like really late into like really early in the morning. But otherwise, I honestly don't even, I don't remember like whether they were at work or whether they were just like out doing other things but i feel like most of the time when i saw them it was like after school or like i think they worked maybe afternoon like nighttime okay yeah i want to say that's when they worked it makes more sense especially since my mom was a server i mean and were you in any like after school activities sports or anything no 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 drama club no no way to get to we couldn't afford stuff like that either Uh, so okay i wanted to but we just couldn't afford it and There's no way to get to or from. Gotcha. So, yeah, I mean, we had talked a little bit about um, addiction kind of being in in your family. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if you're aware, but like I I was in treatment. And so I'm coming up on two years of sobriety. Good for you. So I'm familiar with like that whole dynamic of the reason why I like I. I try to tell people that like I want their the events of their lives to have the weight that it sounds like they should mm-hmm. is because I want to make sure that my kids don't feel like they have to make excuses for the shit that I was doing. You know what I mean? Right. So like it's not from the sense of like where I'm trying to empathize with you. It's more that like as parents, we should have done better. Mm-hmm. So it's I'm lumped in with your folks or I'm lumped in with somebody else's folks like it's from the perspective of like it wasn't your job to be protector babysitter all those things like it's that that's on us that's why if we have kids then you know what I mean like Mm -hmm. so that's anything moving forward I'm not trying to shit on your parents or anything like that Mm -hmm. so so you were saying you couldn't really distinguish between like when they were going out and when they were working. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, would they be coming home 
drunk or? I guess at the time I knew like whether they were going to work or whether going whether they were going out, but like looking back on it now, I honestly I can't distinguish because they were gone so much. I didn't see my dad come home drunk so much because it'd be so late. Oh okay. Um, I didn't see him drunk very often, but I was aware of how much he drank and how much he was like at the bar and stuff like that. But he didn't really bring it home with him much. Not until maybe when we were a little bit older, like after my parents split, when I was still living with my dad. That's basically when I saw it, and even then it wasn't really that often. Okay. Yeah. Um, so with your folks being away, like who was watching you guys? Nobody. Well, originally we had babysitters up until, hmm, I want to say, well, my older brother's he was a year ahead of me in school. So like maybe late elementary school. Yeah, we were pretty uh we were pretty good kids and we lived in such a small town. So at eventually we just we didn't have any babysitters. We were just kind of chilling. It was me, my older brother, then Dane, he's uh 4 years younger than me. So, yeah, we would just be at home alone a good chunk of the time. I can't remember exactly when they started just leaving us alone, but it was probably fourth, fifth grade. Okay. Yeah, but, so I not mean, super young. So when you look back on it, though, it feels fairly normal. Like, it doesn't feel like it was some big event where they were like, okay, now you guys have to be home by yourselves. Yeah, I didn't really question it at the time. It wasn't an issue being alone most of the time. I remember a couple times being frustrated because we'd be hungry and there was, like, no food and we, I remember scavenging, like, going through the house trying to find change so we could go to the grocery store that we lived behind to get, like, some Easy Mac or something. Mm. I just have that memory, like, specifically engraved in my mind for some reason. So I know there was a couple times where I'd just be, like, why aren't they here sort of thing. Otherwise, I think that we were uh, at that age where we just didn't really care. Like, oh, we have the house to ourselves, like... Oh, or we sure. just, we wouldn't even be at home. We'd be out hanging out with our friends, like, down the road, you know, riding our bikes around town. Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think now, like, would did you guys have cell phones? Later on, probably fifth, sixth grade. Okay. Um, we had minutes or whatever, but it wasn't yeah. too, it was just to, like, try to call their work or whatever to get a hold of them, but we never really had to do that. We had um, a landline. Up until, like, later elementary school otherwise. But we didn't have, like, a cell phone for, like, texting or anything until middle school. But that okay. was mom and dad's. Yeah, I didn't have yeah. my own cell phone until, like, ninth grade. So, I yeah. def- it was the whole, uh, okay, I'm on my mom or dad's phone. We'll text for a little bit. Don't text me after this time because I no longer have this pink razor. <laughs> I love that thing. That was the shit. It was the shit. Um, but I, the reason I was asking was because, yeah, the, you're having to find the numbers or have them memorized versus when they're in the, in a cell phone. Mm-hmm. Like right now, like I could hand my phone to my kids and they, if I said, go call grandma or whatever, like they could figure it out. But like, I remember when I was a kid, cause I'm one of five and there were times where they would leave us with my oldest brother. 
but then he would go and do some shit with his friends. And so if we needed to call somebody, we would have to find this one fucking note card that mm-hmm. had like all the emergency contacts and shit. Mm-hmm. So that I, I remember that growing up like that kind of like anxiety of like, God, I hope I, you know, know how to, that's the other thing is like dialing the right number two. And am I hitting a one? Am I doing this? Cause mm-hmm. there's all these weird rules. Like it, uh, there was something like if you dialed the one, then you got charged for, uh, I can't even remember what it was called, but like <laughs> if someone was in the next town, then like you mm-hmm. got, you got charged, um, like, long uh, distance fee. long distance fee. Thank you. Uh, you guys can't see, but, uh, we have a very attractive, uh, side guest <laughs> who's helping out. <laughs> um, but yeah, long distance fees and all that shit. So like, it's just a lot for a little kid to like try to like be like, okay, I can figure this out. It's all gonna be okay. Yeah, luckily, if there was anything that was extremely urgent, um, if my parents were at work, the casino number is really easy to remember, and then you just tell the operator this is where I'm trying to go. But if we couldn't get a hold of them, such a small town, and we know where everybody's at, so. If there was ever something I needed, I could just go down the road to either one of my parents' friends' houses or even, like, one of my friends' houses. And um, I had a couple friends whose parents were pretty, not, like, protective over me, but they were pretty, they were, like, second or third parents to me, basically. Oh, okay. Yeah, so if I ever needed anything, they were extremely willing to help, so I'm lucky for that. Oh, yeah, that's One thing I really liked about living in a small town growing up was having that freedom to go somewhere if I needed something or if something wasn't readily available if my parents weren't there versus living in the cities. You can't really safely have that option all the time. Yeah. So, Yeah, that's true. There's, yeah, there's, there's da- definitely dangers in, in both regards. Cause like if it's too shitty to go anywhere, like in smaller towns, like plows aren't, like putting priority over <laughs> the smaller neighborhoods which fucking blows. Mm-hmm. So if you need something, you have to walk to through snow that's up to your waist to get over to somebody. I like I catastrophize because I think of my kids and like the most that I leave them home alone now is for like three hours mm-hmm. by themselves. Yeah, because I'm just convinced that the worst thing is going to happen. Yeah, it's a lot. Things are a lot different from when. Me and my uh, my older brother and then my older younger brother, I should say, because I got the two younger brothers, one's 12 and then one's 21. Mm. So it was me and my um, my two brothers that are my biological brothers. Things were a lot different from us, for us back then than they are for my little siblings now. They definitely, um, I think it's just that my parents weren't good together. Okay. And then once they split, so that was... Um, it's a lot different now. My parents now are a lot more like they need somebody to be there with them. Okay. They're so, more attentive. Yeah. Um, Dane, my younger brother, he lives with my mom. So whenever they go out, which isn't as often anymore, um, they make sure that Dane is aware that they're leaving and make sure that they get dinner and stuff like that. But otherwise, they never leave them alone, which is I think about it sometimes because I'm like when, when I was that age. They were always leaving us when my dad and my mom were still together, but 
um, yeah, they're definitely, my mom's a lot better about that stuff now than she was before. So when you say that she lets him know that they're leaving, Mm -hmm. would that happen where you would like wake up and they're just not there or like they would, they would leave without letting you guys know? Uh, yeah, I think it, uh, it happened at least a few times, but I think eventually we just grew so used to it that we just didn't question it. Yeah. Yeah. It's honestly, I've not really sat and thought too much about stuff like this and it's hard to remember specifically. So maybe there's a little bit of a trauma there (laughs) kind of wiping some of that clean. There is that like, um, I mean, you're. It's it's tricky, like, because the way that most people's brain function is, is it members remembers the really traumatic things and the really like joyful things. Mm-hmm. So if your mind at the time to cope with the traumatic things or what was like perceived as traumatic at the time um, was to focus on like like survival skills or um, what you thought was like normalizing shit that wasn't normal mm-hmm. so yeah your your brain can trick you into because i i remember growing up uh we moved from oregon to minnesota and the first neighborhood that we lived in was way gnarlier than we realized and it wasn't until we tried to relate to other people we would tell stories like oh yeah we walked by there was a homeless guy that lived in the woods that we had to walk through to get to school mm-hmm. when I was, you know, seven years old. And people would be like, what the fuck? I've never heard of anything like That's that. That's not normal. Yeah. So like it's things like that. And, you know, uh, similarly, like not everybody has to go through their house to look for change because their parents aren't around. Mm-hmm. Um, not that there aren't people that can't relate to that, but like it's, it, it's something that, yeah, as parents, like, that's, yeah. I, it makes me think of, like, these things that I wonder what my kids are going to say about, like, how I was as a parent. Mm-hmm. But, um, so, did you notice that things were, like, tense between your parents growing up? Definitely, yeah. Um, honestly, I was surprised that they didn't split, like, way before they did. Um, they separated, I want to say I was in fifth grade, um, we were living in one house, and then me and my siblings ended up moving away with my mom into a different house, like, a few blocks away, like, on the other side of town. Oh, okay. Um, we weren't there very long. Um, we moved a lot, um, a few different houses in Sandstone. I want to say it's just, parents didn't have money for rent. Um, my dad was... Very much an alcoholic. Um, hearing more about it as I got older from, like, my mom or, like, from close friends of the family, like, his friends. I know that a lot of the money was spent at the bar. And then my mom, being such a big gambler, she would disappear for days at a time sometimes. And later on, I found out it's because she was at the casino. Um yeah, so they wouldn't pay rent, and then we had to move somewhere else. So we ended up not living at the house with my mom for very long. And then I think we ended up moving back to that house where my dad was. And I remember there's like, a big situation with this girl that my dad was fooling around with or seeing, and my oh. mom threw a big fit, and I was confused because I was like, but you guys aren't together. And 
they were fighting a lot. There was a lot of fighting going on, and I remember just being relieved when they weren't together anymore because it just wasn't, like, even being as young as I was, I just knew it wasn't healthy. Yeah. And um, things definitely got a lot easier when they split and then when my mom got with um well they're not married I just call him my stepdad because he's been around for so long um I can't say things are or were less toxic with him around but they were definitely like financially better okay so there's like safer yeah there's more stability yeah okay well I mean and that's the other crazy thing is like Going from one, like, it's interesting that you say toxic because just because things are, like, financially stable doesn't mean that, like, the bad stuff is gone. The bad stuff was definitely not gone, but it was it was different bad stuff, I guess. I feel like <laughs> it's kind of shitty to say I think this bad stuff was a lot easier to cope with than it was when my parents were still together. Because um, at least bills were being paid. Yeah. And we had food and stuff like that. We never had to worry about that stuff. But my stepdad is diagnosed manic depressive, not Ah. medicated, gets very angry, never physically, but he said some pretty outlandish, crazy things about um, even the things that he said about my mom, not okay. And he said a couple of things about me. I got to the point where my older brother actually had to move out when he was in ninth grade. Because he was afraid that him and his friends were going to kick his ass if they if he didn't get away from him. Wow. Just because of the things that he would say when he was going on his little rampages and stuff like that. Um, the way I'm honestly surprised that my mom has been with him as long as she has been. I think a lot of it's because of the kids. Oh, sure. Um, because she didn't always have a job. She doesn't have a license, so I feel like a good chunk of it, like when it got really bad, she stayed because then she would know that the kids would at least have a house and they'd still be taken care of. Like, he's a good dad, but he's definitely got some issues. Um, I have never really heard him yell at my siblings, which is good. I'm thankful for that. But it was definitely a lot to kind of uh, not being his kid you know, mm-hmm. me and my brothers had to put up with that. I was going to say that's... Yeah. I yeah. actually ended up moving out my senior year of high school because of him. Uh, yeah. My uh, younger brother, Dane, is the only one out of us uh, three Simmer kids that he still lives with them, actually. He's got some issues for sure. And I want to say not only is it like hereditary, like the depression and stuff like that, sure. but I think him being stuck in that household for so long... Um, and my stepdad not showing him the same love that he would show the other siblings just because he's not his kid. Yeah. I feel like that's kind of rubbed off on him a little bit. Mm. So you could definitely tell that there's some, uh, there's trauma there too, for sure. So in his, in his depressive episodes or his manic episodes, like it was just, so it was a lot of talk more like, is that what you were saying? Yeah. Versus like actual physical. He would never get physical. If there was any sort of physical thing, the only time I've heard or seen it get physical was actually pretty recently. And I want to say it was justified. It was my mom kind of, you know, freaking out, which I'm surprised it took her that long after putting up with it for so long. 
but otherwise it was never, ever physical. It was just insults, you know, yelling, stuff like that. At some point, it was a while ago, but um, my mom and her brother, they used to gamble together. And so whenever my mom would be like, okay, well, me and my brother are going to go to the casino and Tim was in one of those modes. He would, like, literally accuse my mom of cheating on him with her own brother and stuff like that. Just wow. outlandish, completely insane things. If my mom was going out to do anything, he would just blow up, like, oh, which guy are you blowing now? And stuff like that. Just Holy shit. Yeah, not asked for whatsoever. Uh, sometimes that that stuff can be worse than being, like, physically abused. Yeah. Because there's no, like you don't know where else it can go. Mm-hmm. Like if, if just, if like this intense, like screaming, like I've been in those situations where like someone is just screaming in your face. And even though they're not hitting you, it's so terrifying that like you have like a physical reaction to like, I might as well be getting the shit kicked out of me right now. Cause mm-hmm. this is fucking horrible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just, uh, Whenever he's in that mode when I was living with him, I would just kind of try to go to my room and uh, just not be around it if I could. Um, With us kids, he never yelled at us like he yelled at my mom. He would yell at my mom about us. So it's more that we would hear about ourselves from him talking to my mom. Um, The one instance I told you about ended up being physical was this last year... I had been living with my mom for a little bit. It was after a pretty uh, nasty breakup. I ended up moving out and then moving back in with my mom for a little bit until I could get back on my feet. Uh, I was staying in the basement, and I heard them fighting upstairs, and I took out my phone to record it so I could show my friends, like, what the fuck, like, this guy's nuts. Mm. And he ended up saying something just so completely disgusting about my younger brother, the the one that's not his, you know? Oh, sure. Um, Basically saying, like, no wonder why his real dad doesn't want anything to do with him. Mm. And, like, literally it was so bad, I instantly started crying. I'm like, how could you say something like that? That's what made my mom absolutely flip her lid. And she took a ketchup bottle and just, which I still to this day think was justified. I'm not, you know, for women hitting men, you know, but I feel like that was definitely justified. What he said about my brother was just not good at all. And I was just hoping and praying that Dane didn't hear him say that because, woof. To go back a little bit, um, was there mental health stuff with your uh, your bio dad and um, and your mom? Um, like that you were aware of? Not diagnosed. Um, this stuff didn't start to come up until I started being um, diagnosed with different stuff. And asking them about it, like if we have a family history. And my dad, I think he's got some depression. My mom says she thinks she does, but that's more like menopausal stuff, she says. Like, now I'm starting to feel this and whatever. But um, otherwise, there's not like a huge immediately, like immediate family history other than like addiction like alcoholism but there's like not really any mental health stuff in the immediate family sure well the interesting thing with addiction there's usually mental health stuff tied to it yeah like it's it's way more common for that to be the case than for somebody who's like everything's just totally a-okay um like people who are perceived as like really happy and they're addicts 
um, a lot of times anxiety is a huge uh, part of um, the issues. And because you can hide anxiety pretty well, mm-hmm. that's why people aren't aware of it. And, you know, you'll hear people say, like, oh, I had no idea anything was even wrong because, yeah, it's because they're hiding at home or they're like, there's so. And when you said that, it reminded me because when I started to confront my mental health stuff, I did the same thing with my parents. And they all said, uh, no, not that not that we're aware of. It might be like a general a generational thing. So I feel like even like us millennials, I feel like we pay more attention to that mental health stuff. And yeah. like my parents, my mom didn't take me having anxiety when I got diagnosed originally. She didn't take it seriously until once we went to Walmart together. And I had an anxiety, like a, a complete just anxiety meltdown in Walmart. And she's like, holy fuck, I didn't know it was that bad. And she didn't start taking it seriously until then. So I know, like, that generation and maybe, like, the older generations, they didn't take mental health nearly as seriously as we do now. Yeah, I guess um, I uh, recently got diagnosed with um, severe ADHD combined type this last summer. And when I went to my psychiatrist, I had to fill out a form with, like, all of my mental health history and, like, with the family. So I... um messaged my grandpa, my uh, dad's biological dad, and then he sent me over to his sister, who, um, she's like a, um, like a psychologist or some, something like that, you know, not really anymore, but she's more familiar with, like, all those terms and stuff like that, and she had said, uh, I want to say it was their grandma ended up committing suicide, but she didn't have any, I don't think she had any sort of diagnosis, so she's like, I think she was depressed, and then I guess we had, like, a great something uncle who had schizophrenia, but, oh, wow. Yeah, with that generation, they just didn't care as much. So that's when she was like, I I think this or maybe that. Yeah. Uh, and then my grandpa, my mom's biological dad, he uh, was a heroin addict. And he ended up, um, he died. I don't think it was directly from an OD, but with this depression episode, he ended up like getting in an accident and ending up in the hospital and he died Mm. there so there was definitely some depression there too but i definitely realize as i'm getting all my diagnoses that my family definitely didn't pay close attention to that stuff whatsoever yeah or they didn't care yeah well and the funny thing like on the flip side of the coin like my parents were awesome and and like super like attentive and all of these things and so when my mental stuff and mental health stuff started happening, they thought, oh, we just need to love him harder. We and then that'll fix all of these things rather than like getting professional help. Like they just thought, well, we're good people, so we'll be able mm-hmm. to fix this situation. So like it can happen both ways where like the best of intentions or not necessarily that your folks are like trying to be neglectful, but like if it's if it's not taken to on a professional level i don't think anybody is really equipped to to handle that stuff yeah i definitely have had people in my life friends or like exes that didn't understand depression and um i have not so much it's not so often anymore but i used to have really bad meltdowns when i got super anxious or super depressed about something i would literally black out and like hit myself and I've seen like friends I've seen it happen and they would try their best to be there for me but they didn't know how to react to it 
or a certain way I would act or a certain thing I would say or whatever. I would do this and then I would try to say, oh, it was because my ex would be like, oh, all you do is sleep. Well, yeah, Mm -hmm. I'm fucking depressed. And then he would just, he just couldn't understand it. He sometimes would try, but I just feel like most of the time he thought I was making excuses for it. Yeah. So a lot of people, it's hard to understand mental health stuff if they're not going through it themselves. Do you remember how old you were when you started to notice, like, because I, like, I didn't know it was anxiety at the time. Like, I was just at the right age where, like, they were starting to discover that stuff because it was mostly, like, diagnosed with adults, not so much kids. So the earliest, like, anxiety attack that I can remember was when I was uh, 14, and something had happened at school, or no, 13. Something had happened at school, and I like couldn't deal with it. And I, my thing was always like, I never felt like anybody understood, even though I didn't know anything about mental health. Like I would explain like how horrible this thing feels, and people would just like laugh it off, or mm-hmm. and it was like, how how can I? accurately portray how fucking insane it feels inside of me right now. So I went into my room, very similar thing where like I just destroyed my room and I don't remember a whole lot about it other than like laying on my back and like just kind of looking around the room and it's just completely trashed. And then I like hallucinated for a little bit. I don't know if I fucked up my blood pressure or what, but Mm -hmm. so yeah, I mean, so in in that sense, like, do you recall, like, looking back on something going, oh, that's what that was? I didn't notice anything, like, related to anxiety or depression until I was older. Probably, like, my senior year of high school. But I did know that there was something different about me pretty early on in my life. Just, like, the way that I acted in situations, the things that I said, I always knew that like, compared to my friends, I, I was just a little bit weird. Like, I was always, like, a third wheel in my friend group. Mm. Or, like, have you ever seen Without a Paddle? Yeah. I, uh, what's his name? The redhead. Yeah, uh, Seth Green. Seth Green. I, I was, like, basically his character in that movie, like, my whole life. And I even, like, remember this one time we were watching that movie. And my friends were like, oh, Kayla, that's you. Just... I don't know, like, I just always knew that there was something just different, almost like that I wasn't the age, like acting my age almost, like my maturity was a little bit slower socially, because I still did good in school, I got straight A's, I was still like book smart, but street smart was never my thing ever, so that's, later on I thought maybe there was some sort of, um... I thought maybe I was on the spectrum. Sure. Except this was before I even got my um, depression diagnosis. This was before I graduated high school. Uh, My parents didn't really pay attention to that kind of stuff at all. So um, when I was in college, that's when I got my depression diagnosis. Oh, it didn't happen until you were in college. No, my parents didn't really bring me to the doctor. They didn't bring me to the dentist. They didn't do any of that stuff. So, um, Did you say they wouldn't bring you to the dentist? No. I went to the dentist once when I was in like eighth grade, not eighth grade, like when I was like eight and then didn't go again until I was like 20. Damn. Yeah. 
hear me and my braces at 25. <laughs> oh, that I mean, it's crazy like how often that happens now. Like seeing yeah. pe- adults with braces, yeah. And it a lot of that is because the parents could I mean, it's so astronomically expensive like Yeah. fucking crazy. Um so I get that, but like it just it sucks that I don't know cuz it's easy for me to now be like my wife and I were poor for a little bit and not, I say that like we're fucking killing it right now, but right. <laughs> we're not. Um, but when we were like, I mean, we were 24, my son was a year old and we were still living with my parents mm-hmm. at that point. Like we knew that we could go through the state and get health insurance. And in that sense, um, her and my son, all of their stuff was was paid for. So I didn't have to worry about any of that stuff. So what I so I mean like normally there's like some state assistance stuff and it just Yeah, I guess there was never I never really got sick. I guess and you you went to a smaller school. Did you guys have a school counselor? Um We did, but I didn't really, like I said, I didn't recognize that there was something extremely, not like there is something extremely wrong with me because there's not. Oh, I'm more mean because like usually they're, they're like kind of, um, if like teachers notice stuff, they're like, hey, could you go have a talk with, we like, uh, Kayla's complaining about her teeth or shit like that too. Yeah. I mean, the closest thing we got to that was... Just that we missed school a lot, maybe in like fifth grade, and we had to have a truancy officer for a little bit. Otherwise, I don't think anything was so severe that my teachers took notice. Because I, like I said, I still had good grades and I still had friends and stuff like that. And it was never, I didn't really start to recognize it until I was a little bit older, probably because my parents didn't recognize anything. Or maybe they were just used to it, so they just didn't think anything of it. But looking back on it now, whenever I have a conversation with them about it, they're like, yeah, you're right. Um, Because I got, you know, my depression diagnosis, but I still felt when taking meds that things still aren't the way that they're supposed to be. doesn't explain why I do this or why I say this or why I feel this way in this situation. And that's when I was talking to my doctor last year when we were trying to get my meds balanced. And I kind of told her, I feel depress less of the time but I don't I still don't feel motivation to do anything Mm. and then kind of explained to her how I was feeling and she kind of brought up like have you ever thought about ADHD and I said well no because I'd never considered myself to be you know hyperactive because it's all kind of in one category now and then she kind of explained that's not really how it needs to be you don't need to be hyperactive and um, she referred me and then I got the diagnosis and then seeing my psychiatrist now, I still think that it doesn't explain everything. It does explain a big chunk. Like I'm surprised it took me this long to get my ADHD diagnosis, but, um, she thinks that it's still possible that there could be, um, bipolar or that I could even I be just on the say, spectrum too. The, the bipolar stuff uh, is interesting that. Because I just found out this year because uh, so I was put on an adult mental health unit a couple times. And the last time that I was there, they put on my file potentially uh, has hypomania. 
and which is v- very similar to bipolar. Like it's, it's basically the same thing. But I recently found out that ADHD seems to exhibit a lot of the same symptoms as bipolar. Mm-hmm. So it's, yeah, it's an interesting thing to be like, the more, with each diagnosis that I get, like, it feels like I'm unlocking I was, something. I was just about to say that, unlocking, like, another room in your brain or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and so it, it almost makes things, like, easy, slightly easier to cope with. Like, oh, that's why I said that, or that's why I did that. It's not that I'm just, like, a big dum-dum was actually a reason for it. Yeah. Um. Yeah, one of my, um, one of the categories I'm put in with my ADHD is uh, mood regulation. Okay. I go off a deep end very, very quickly. And it's not till later on I'm like, why did I just blow up about that? Like, I don't take a second to think. I just immediately react. I get very, very mad or very, very upset, very, very sad, very fast, just completely off the deep end. And I never understood why I got like that. But um, I kind of explained that to my psychiatrist. And that's when she said there might be some bipolar. And she recommended I see like a counselor and get some uh, maybe some further diagnoses. But I just I'm kind of lazy. So I haven't gotten around <laughs> to that yet. But that's the other funny thing with like having depression and ADHD is such a shitty combination because like the motivation thing is it's so easy to lose the motivation to do really anything like I'm 34 and I just got my meds under control well actually we just adjusted them again but like um yeah until it wasn't until I was 32 that I like finally like got on the right shit and that's the other fucking miserable thing is like mm-hmm. meds don't kick in. Kick in like, right. I mean, like yeah. six weeks and then you're like, fuck, that doesn't work. So then you got to find something else, try again. I think I've been on maybe like two or three different meds for my depression. But yeah. I feel like the ones I'm on now are working a lot better. So that's good at least. I'm doing Lexapro and Wellbutrin. <laughs> nice. Yep. Um, and I, I guess I, <clears throat> I, I just found out last week that uh, Wellbutrin can help with ADHD stuff. So we just upped the dosage which i'm in that window of like i'm waiting to see what's gonna happen Mm -hmm. a week from now like (laughs) um but i mean yeah like the the bipolar stuff is like such a before i go off on the deep end that's part of my adhd thing i did want to ask how would your parents explain um the financial stuff like, do you remember what what their explanation for, like, why they couldn't afford certain things was? No, I can't remember. I don't remember if we ever really asked, because I think we just knew. We definitely just knew. And at some point... Well, see, that's they started interesting, just too. not having a good... Like, they started hating each other at some point. So, eventually, they just started blaming each other. Oh, okay. Yeah, so... But, so, like, like oh, we don't have any money because your dad went to the bar again, or whatever else. So you you recognized that your your mom was gambling and that your dad was going to the bar. Mm-hmm. Okay, so yeah, I mean, I guess depending on how old you were, like you know that those things take money, and that if they're not, if money's not going to the the fridge, then yeah, it's, it's going in these other directions. Mm-hmm. So how old were you when your parents split? I want to say they separated when I was like maybe 11, 
12, but they didn't get officially divorced until I was, like, 13. Okay. But they weren't, like, together at that point. They sure. weren't, uh, like, they were legally married, but they, I think my mom was already with my stepdad at that point. Mm. And, yeah, so probably 12, 13, I want to say. When your parents are, are throwing stuff, which sucks, that, like, when parents start to pit the, the kids against yep. each other. Um, but they're throwing things like, you know, dad is blowing all of his money at the bar because he's an alcoholic or like, you know, mom is addicted to gambling, shit like that. Did your perception of like you using drugs or alcohol change? Me, no, myself? Yeah. Knowing any of that stuff? Y- yes, actually. <clears throat> Whenever... uh I start talking to somebody or start hanging out with somebody, making new friends, whatever. They'll ask me, like, hey, do you you do anything? Like, all that other stuff. Like, I drink, but I don't drink specifically to get drunk. Uh. I, like, socially drink, and it's not very often. Like, I'll get drunk drunk maybe once a month or once every two months, if that. Um, I smoked weed in high school. I can't do it anymore because of my anxiety. Otherwise, I've never really done anything else because I just think of how that addictive personality just runs in the family and I don't want to be in that same situation my parents were in. Um, Especially when it comes to, like, gambling. I do gamble, but because I know of that addictive personality and I get pissed every single time I gamble and lose... So that's why I try my best to stay away from it because I I tell people that too whenever guests at my table are like, do you ever play here? Like, are you guys allowed to play here? I'm like, yeah, but I just try not to because, uh, yeah, my mom's a big gambler and I've seen how much that can affect you as a person and like people in your life. And I'd rather not go down that road. But that's that's like a bartender working or an alcoholic working in a bar, like being a bartender, like... Does does that, I mean, I guess, has it gotten to the point to where you were like, oh shit, I'm not going to be able to pay rent or never. anything like no, that? No, okay. I never gambled money away that I knew I couldn't afford. Okay. But then I would just, if I lost, I would go home and be like, oh, I could have used that money for like this instead. Mm. But um, whenever I gamble, I always, before I start, think like, have I paid this bill? And then I kind of have like a set money in my head aside that I can spend. I try to stay under that though. Um, and another thing is, is I try not to, I don't really play slots. Mostly mm. when I gamble, it's more of the table games, like something more interactive and fun and not just staring at a screen and like tapping. Oh, sure. Which is what my mom did. And I've never really understood why that's enjoyable because it's not at all. Unless maybe when you're with somebody, but even then it's so much more fun to play like poker and like laugh with some friends or like have fun with your dealer or something like that. Do you s- smoke cigarettes or have you ever smoked cigarettes? I did at one point, but um, it was only every once in a while. It w- I would go through phases and it was oh, okay. probably for like a year and I was pretty easily able to quit. And now it's like when I'm drunk, sometimes I'll see somebody with a cigarette, but give me that and I'll... <laughs> Take a drag of it and be like, oh, that's fucking gross. And then I'll give it back. I don't know why I did that sort of thing. I, I always think of that like with certain like gambling stuff is I, I would never describe like smoking cigarettes as fun. 
like when I would do it, it was more of just like, this is just what I do. I mean, even now I, I still vape. Um, but I don't think of it as like a fun thing. Yeah. And so I think with the slots, cause I, my mother-in-law was, had a very serious problem, uh, with slots as well. And it's just because you just pull and watch the numbers, mm-hmm. pull and watch the numbers or watch the, the symbols or whatever. Like, it's not so much that you're like having a blast because I maybe saw her win one time mm-hmm. and it's like, oh, you've just, this is just like smoking to you now. It's it just could be some- the suspense part of it too. Like, am I actually going to win something? But the most of the time. To the way cell phones work. Like, oh yeah. To destroy your brain and manipulate you into being on them more. Nobody so can hear you, but. Listeners, I can assure you that everything he's saying is making him more attractive. <laughs> but he was, but yeah, Jordan was comparing uh, it to the way that we interact with our phones now, and that's yeah, that's absolutely true. Um, flicking through Instagram or going through Facebook, like I, I don't read half of the shit that I'm actually scrolling through. If I see a photo that catches my eye, or if I see like the word fuck or something that catches me in a paragraph. Like, well, that is specifically that word. <laughs> like, Oh fuck. Yes. <laughs> Try that one. Yeah. So there's things that like, you just don't you're like, I'm just, I'm just doing it. Yeah. Pre- pretty lights, pretty things. Um, and I guess I'm kind of projecting because that's my mother-in-law did not look happy at all when she was doing it. I don't shit. think anybody looks happy when they're playing slots. <laughs> take that from somebody who's worked at the casino for four and a half years and I've seen a lot of shit and nobody ever looks happy. Did you, do you work the same, or, yeah, do you work at the same casino that... Same casino. I'm in the fourth department at the current casino. <laughs> Hopefully the last department. But I mean um, with, like, that your dad or your mom worked at? Uh, the one that they most recently worked at, yes. Oh. I actually did work with my dad. Um... I was only in blackjack with him for six months until COVID really hit. But otherwise, I was at the casino with him for a couple of years. Um, we only really saw each other in passing or like on breaks. And he, he was on a different shift when I was in blackjack. Sure. But my mom was long gone by the time I started working there. I would see her there gambling a lot. Not so oh. much. This last year, she's, I think New Year's Eve was the first time she gambled in like a year. Oh, wow. Yeah, so uh, both my parents are doing a lot better now. Um, but yeah, same casino. Kind of sad I don't see my dad there anymore. But Yeah, I'm sure. He's doing good now, so that's what matters. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, now, on the relationship side of things, if if the way that your parents interacted or the way that your stepdad and your mom interacted, like if that became normalized in the way that if you would get into a relationship you're like oh yeah this type of shit happens you know what I mean or did Mm -hmm. you say I never want to have a relationship like that and so you tried to go in a a different direction like were you dating like Catholic schoolboys or Mm -mm. no (laughs) no never I never really held the relationship very long up until not my most recent one but the one before was almost three years, and that was the longest relationship I was ever in. Otherwise, it wouldn't ever really be longer than five or six months. Mm. Um, I knew how to pick them for a while. Okay. I really did. I guess I never really put much thought 
to why I ended up in those situations all the time. Not like they were always bad. There was a couple of them that were really good guys that just... And there was one at one point, he was like, I feel like we're just friends more mm. than we are boyfriend, girlfriend. We were living t- together at the time. Um, so we ended on pretty good terms. And then another one, it just wasn't working for me because he had like literally no goals in life. Mm. Like living at home, not driving, no job, and not making any sort of effort in making any of that better. And I told him like, you're a great guy, but I can't be your mom. Like, I can't do all this stuff for you because I got my own shit. But one was definitely womanizer, not worth my time. But I feel like a lot of what I struggle with is not at the time realizing that I am worth a lot more than the way I'm currently being treated. Like, I think I don't, I don't know. A lot of the time it's not till after I'm like, wow. I definitely deserved a lot better than that. Or thinking that things are going to get better. Sure. Um, My three-year relationship, I was over it a long time before I actually did leave. But I stayed for a long time because we lived together. We had pets together. I didn't know where I was <laughs> going to go sort of thing. Yeah. So I definitely dragged that on way longer than I needed to. But that was, he didn't have trust in me sort of thing. Really insecure and he had some mental health issues of his own, very angry. Mm. And uh, mama's boy, he couldn't do anything by himself at all. Oh. And then the most recent one also had some mental health issues. Most of the relationship, we weren't even officially together because he couldn't ever decide whether he actually wanted to be with me. One day he'd be like, oh, I really like you. Like, oh, when we move together, this or whatever, do that. And then the next day he'd be like, I don't know, I'm feeling kind of weird, I don't know. And then, like, he ghosts me for two weeks, and then once he sees me, like, start to move on, he, hi, it's, mm. hello, it's me again, I'm back. I decided I really like you and I missed you, let's try this again. And it went on for a long time, probably, like, nine months. And we weren't even, like, I think we were officially together together for, like, two months of that. And then eventually he was like, yeah, like, you are just anxious because you keep thinking that I'm going to dip out again and that's not healthy. It's like, yeah, it's not healthy. So you either (laughs) want to be with me or you don't. It's not that hard. So now I recognize that I definitely, uh, I tell myself I'm never going to put myself through that again. You know, I feel like I'm, I'm, I'll more than likely recognize that. uh, I don't know. It's kind of hard to explain. I feel like I'll recognize better that the person actually wants to be with me and make things work now than before. Yeah. Or I won't be as patient. I don't know if patient's really the word. No, I won't drag it on yeah, as long as I did before. I was going to say, I, I, I get what you mean. <clears throat> Not as many chances as I gave people that they didn't deserve yeah. sort of thing. Well, and like you, you've you got time too yeah, to I'm not be able to s- suss super that worried shit about out. It, like, yeah. yeah. So it's a, it's a different time. So it's really like, it's interesting uh, I used to do wedding photography and the amount of people that I did their weddings and they met from like an online dating service versus like meeting somebody at the bar or whatever um, was like way more. Mm-hmm. And uh, those people like, I don't know, that it seemed like their like common interests were so aligned. So like and it seemed like so genuine and I'd be surprised at like 
uh, we've only been together for a year, but we already knew all of these things. And so we were able to like connect that much faster and in, in like on, in a deeper way. Mm-hmm. So it was like interesting to think that like you can look at the data and then be like, well, according to this spreadsheet here, uh, you and I seem to be a good fit and you're not going to try to abandon me. So let's move it. <laughs> um, but I mean, so, but you, so you never had like an abusive relationship. Um, not physically. No, definitely mentally and like emotionally, uh, the four year relation or three, however long, three year, um, it was also pretty verbally abusive. Like mm. I said, he got pretty mad about some pretty dumb shit. Like literally, <clears throat> there'd be things you wouldn't even imagine he would be mad about, and then he would find some reason to be mad about it. Like asking a question, like "What the fuck do you mean?" It's like <laughs> literally a child. Like I, it was insane. Like even my friends for the longest time, Kayla, just leave, please, just leave. And yeah. they were pretty supportive through the whole breakup and stuff like that. They. They hauled ass to my house to move my stuff out when I told them I was moving out. They were very happy because he was just a buzzkill party pooper the whole ah, time we were together, basically. I wonder, it almost sounds like maybe borderline personality disorder with some codependency issues. It sounds a lot like it, yeah. <laughs> Did he want any help for any of that? Nope. I give him the ultimatum once. Either get help or I'm going to leave. You know what he told me? Just leave. Oh, of course. Yeah. He would have rather me left. I didn't leave, of course, because, but yeah, he basically just in denial. Yeah. I mean, (coughs) even when you get people with like borderline uh, personality to like admit to or recognize that they have this issue, a lot of times they'll say it, but they're not putting in any work to, because like with borderline, unfortunately there's way more work that you have to do um, on the behavioral side of things than, you know, say somebody with like bipolar disorder or um, even ADHD, like there's medication makes a pretty big difference in that leveling. Uh, Cause like medication, like people assume that it makes, it's supposed to like bring on all this joy and like, flip this switch but really it just allows you to experience the same boring shit that everyone say, else <laughs> literally just makes us feel a little bit normal do the things that we are supposed to be able to normally do yeah that's why when when i'm explaining um i take adderall mm. and it's really hard to explain to people <clears throat> without them thinking that it's like you know what the stereotypical adderall is like you know the, on, yeah. the, on the market and stuff like that like no i literally people are like oh can i buy? no i literally need it no you cannot buy my adderall like i cannot function without it like you can like on a normal day without any meds like yeah. i literally cannot focus i can't get myself to get out of my my bed to do anything when i'm not on it like uh impulse control is definitely way 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 up since i've been on it like, before, I couldn't go to Walmart without going into the toy aisle and getting, like, a $90 box of Legos. Whoa! And then now, when I go to Walmart, I'll walk right by the toy aisle and be like, don't need those. Okay, real quick. It's a really quick. proud moment for me. So, are you a big Lego fan? Mm, maybe. <laughs> uh, 
That's awesome. Because uh, <laughs> did you watch, what is it, Breakmasters? I did not. Oh. I've, I've seen like commercials and stuff uh, on break at work, but I have not watched it yet. Dude, so good. It's is like, it? have you ever watched the Great British Bake Off? No. <laughs> Just missing out. Well, now that you know, uh, mm-hmm. it's like it's like competition world, but everyone's really nice to each other. It's like these two shows. And so like, we latched onto it big time. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's funny. Um and it's also funny that yeah, not everybody admits to or wants to admit to being a avid Lego fan. <laughs> I have uh, it's probably over twenty sets. I don't even want to think about how much money I spent on over <laughs> those over twenty sets. I'm actually trying to work on selling some of them right now because of my buying them all. And then suddenly I'm like, where the fuck am I supposed to put them? <laughs> I have all these Legos, no space. <sighs> it's actually pretty upsetting when I think about it. Well, how many like put together sets do you have? Um, I was actually working on when I moved into my current place. Um, I was working on putting them all back together again. And then that's when I was slowly running out of space. And I'm like. Now what? <laughs> what do I do? But I, I literally hadn't really unpacked anything else at that point. I already have all these other toys and collectibles. Where am I supposed to put these? Are you Lord of the Rings, Star Wars? What's your... Harry Potter. Yeah! I'm a big Harry Potter nerd. Fuck yeah. Yeah. And then, um, what else do I have? I mean, I have a couple, like, Pokemon toys and, um, I'm trying to think of what else I have. Just, like... You go to Hot Topic and they have like the blind bags. Oh, yeah, yeah. My lack of impulse control every time I went in there, I buy like 10 of those different kinds, like little horror movie things. Like I have a bunch of supernatural stuff. So oh, I was okay. a, I'm a big supernatural fan too. Um, yeah, there's definitely a lot of collectibles and, you know, Funko Pops and stuff like that. And I literally don't have room for any of them. And I definitely did not think about that before I started putting my Legos together. So once I found that out, I'm like, fuck. (laughs) And then one day I literally took them all apart and I put them, I don't know why, all together, every single one, and sorted them by color. Oh. Yeah. And then I was like, okay, so now I have to figure out, because some of them I had put together when I moved out of my exes, and I kind of just like hurried up and took them apart and threw them in a box. So this was me trying to make sure I had all the pieces for the ones that were already put together. And it took me forever to do that. And so now, like selling them, I have to re-go through them, make sure all the pieces are there. If they're not, see if I can find a replacement. And then, because they come in the numbered bags, put them in the numbered bags so when whoever buys them goes through it, they could be like, okay, well, now I got this first bag. They should all be there and whatnot. My God. It's complicated. <laughs> well, that's awesome. Yeah. I, I, I mean, it's it's funny. Yeah. I obviously, because of my ADHD, I latched on to music and shit like that. So I feel like we all have, like, have our thing that we like hyper fixate on. Mm-hmm. And yeah, the impulse thing. I mean, there's all kinds of weird little shit. There's that violin bow that like. That's why I don't have any of my stuff put away yet, because I'll be putting away my stuff, and I'll be like, look at this cool thing, and then I'll get stuck on that, and I'll forget what I'm doing, and then it's three months later, and I still haven't unpacked. It's actually been almost a year since I lived there, and I still haven't unpacked. Oh. Yeah. Interesting. 
I have a lot of stuff. <laughs> so, I mean, now with, um, I mean, oh, I remember what I was going to ask. So, the reason that we know each other is because of piercings and tattoos and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> what do you, I actually, it's funny, like, after your piercing, I, so I do stand-up, too. Uh-huh. I haven't done this on stage, but I, uh. I, I wrote down a bit after our little interaction uh-huh. uh, when you stood up and you go, well, did you learn anything? Uh, the joke is, so she stands up, says, well, did you learn anything? And I go, oh, yeah, it turns out I'm gay. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> but I, I love mean, that. So in, in your town, there I'm guessing there weren't a lot of people with tattoos. and No. So when did that fascination start? I don't know, honestly. Um, I just, I ended up with, like, the friend group through elementary school and, like, early middle school. We were, like, the Fallout Boy, like, Paramore, Panic at the Disco kids. Oh, yeah. And then that converted into, um, it's really weird because my best friends in high school, before I was friends with them, like, when I was friends with these other girls, they were the preppy Hollister wearing girls. Mm. And then suddenly, I don't know, I think it was like eighth grade, they like adopted me into their friend group. And then at this point, they're listening to like Attack Attack, Asking oh. Alexandria. I mean, we also had like on the other side, you had the broken side, like basically a bunch of little scene kids. Yeah. And then I think that's kind of when I got into, I guess I was before, like even with my old friend group. Just being an emo kid. I'm still an emo kid for sure. Yeah. And then, uh, my wife and I are consider, uh, considered elder emos. Yes. <laughs> is it is it a phase? No. It's <laughs> forever. Never. Yeah. Um. And then there was we were kind of fangirls. There's actually they're not a band anymore. Uh, we are the blog is from oh. Pine County. They're from uh, Hankley, Pine City, Sandstone yeah. area. So we actually hung out with them a lot, too, in high school. Um, I had a couple of friends that dated a couple of the We Are the Blog Boys. Um, and, of course, they all had their, in that music scene, we had all the tattoos and stuff that we were just in that scene in general. So, wait, do you know Sam Fassler? Yes. Hey! Yes, we know Sam. <laughs> no fucking way. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. I also know Sam Fassler. Yeah, I've... <laughs> that's true no i've known all them since i was you know 14 15 so oh, pretty, a pretty awesome. long time yeah so um but out of that friend group i'm not the only one with tattoos but i'm definitely i've gone more advanced emo oh. than the rest of my friend group from high school <laughs> i don't know where it came from i just i always thought that stuff was really cool so yeah here i am now well i mean and it's interesting too, like when you can start to afford, like, I mean, I don't know about your parents, but my parents were like, I'm not going to pay for you to get a piercing or I'm not going to pay for you to get whatever. Mm-hmm. And then when you start making your own money, you're like, well, I'm going to start fucking up my body with my own money. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> Yep. My mom's like, what do you want for Christmas this year? And I'm just thinking, I'm like, usually I have a good list, but I was like, hmm, money. You know, for bills, and then I ended up uh, getting my my side piece finished on this side, and then my outline down on this side, and that money definitely helped with that. And then the other thing was a squatty potty. 
that's basically all I needed. Just money for Fuck yeah. tattoos and then my squatty potty. A stool stool. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Love that. Um uh so so do you are you doing therapy now? Um no, but I definitely should be. <laughs> I keep telling myself I'm going to get around to it, but then I end up caught up in something else. I completely forget about it until I have a mental breakdown. I'm like, fuck, I should be in therapy. I was going to say, so how, how is it that you're getting your diagnoses? Um, so my just regular doctor that I'd seen about like my medication for my depression is the one that referred me to, um, I guess he'd be a psychiatrist or whatever who gave me my uh, official ADHD diagnosis. Okay. And then I see a different psychiatrist right now. She uh, adjusts my meds for me and like recommends different things for me. And like, she's the one that's saying definitely go see a therapist because I think that there's more going on than we think is. Sure. Uh, But she said that it would take a lot more than sitting down for 15 minutes this is how I'm feeling to figure it out. So that's why she's like, you should go see a therapist and they'll be able to actually give you, um, they'll be able to ask the right questions or give you the better resources or whatever else. So you can figure out what's actually going on sort of thing. Well, that's, that's the shitty thing with primary doctors is like, they're way more available, but they also don't have nearly as much time to like dissect the, the mental aspect of things. Like, my primary doctor, I told her that I was quitting drinking because I think I'm an alcoholic and my body's having these types of reactions. And she was like, oh, all right, well, it sounds like you're going through withdrawals. Uh, do this and this and mm-hmm. we'll see you in a couple of weeks. Yep, I've definitely had that happen. Well, not mental health wise, but even just in general. That's why I'm like, it's not. Let's just push off going to the doctor unless I absolutely need to because they don't seem to give two shits. Hardly ever. Yeah. Like this one time I had, I mean, I still get it to this day. I think it's like, I don't know if it's eczema or just sometimes I just get bumps or like redness on my skin. Oh, it's uh, general herpes. Yes. That's exactly what she said. (laughs) No. Like she looked and she's like, oh, that's scabies. And literally me and my ex had gone through, washed all of our clothes, all of our blankets took a shower, had to put this cream all over our bodies, and it was not scabies because Ugh. even after that, he had, didn't have any of that stuff on him, and it was just me, and even now, I still, it's been like a few years, so like literally, she just looked at me, she didn't do any tests, didn't do anything, just, you got scabies. Like, you're telling me I have to tell work that I have scabies? Now my coworkers think I have scabies. I feel gross. <laughs> this is not fun. Well, yeah, and and then if that's not what the thing was, it's... Now it's on us. We have to schedule the appointment and go back and mm-hmm. say that didn't work. And then they're like, oh, so that didn't pan out. Here's something else we can try. And I'll see you again in a couple of weeks. And, and it's then like, next no, time, man, if they're like, this shit out. Yeah, if they're like, we're not going to do a test. We're just going to take a, a quick little guess. I'm like, well, my $1,500 <laughs> in medical bills said, Ugh. let's not just take a guess. Let's actually sit down and do something about it. Fuckers. Yeah. And the same shit happens with the mental health things. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah, because I, I did the same thing. Like, I didn't want to go to therapy or do any of that shit and, until I was literally forced to. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, not that I was, like, forced, forced yeah. to, but, like, um, forced to confront that shit. Yeah. And, and, and when when I was in treatment, they had, you know, all kinds of psychologists and therapists and things, and 
you're able to like hammer out the majority of the shit that I was going through. The bipolar stuff I found out in like a super weird roundabout way. I was listening to this podcast, and do you know what a clairvoyant is? Mm. Or, or like a yeah 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 like yeah a, I suppose yeah or like a medium like mm-hmm. it's a very similar thing. Um, so this guy was talking, you know, doing his clairvoyant stuff with these these people on this show, and uh, one of them was like, "How did you like come into this line of work?" And he was like, "Well, uh, a lot of uh, people with bipolar." Uh, seem to be clairvoyance as well. And I was like, oh no, you just pointed out a thing and totally are missing the point that like, like it should be super obvious. Like, oh, my chemical imbalance is making me think that I'm more in touch with these like otherworldly things than than they really are. Mm -hmm. And I knew that because even though I am a heathen atheist, Hail Satan. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I, in the back of my head, would always be like, but I do feel like this weird connection to something. And as soon as I heard him say that, I was like, fuck. It's exactly what the fuck is going on. Mm -hmm. And so from that point on, I was like, it was super depressing at at first because I was too old for that, like, to not affect me in some way to be like, oh, wow, I just lost a connection with some weird thing that I've had my entire life. Mm-hmm. And now I have to be like, well, nothing's magical in the world. You're just a boring old dad. And uh, I guess go buy a pair of Crocs and start another podcast. I fucking love Crocs. <laughs> Same. I, I have no shame about it. Nope. But like. You're wearing Crocs right now. Love that. <laughs> Where are mine? Um, but I mean, that's. um. That that's like the the shitty thing of like if you're not I don't know if you're if you're not going out and looking for professional help at least doing research into how your like uh, uh, your symptoms are exhibiting themselves doing some research to try and like ballpark your shit if you're gonna be one of those people who's like i don't take meds because then i don't feel like who i am good luck with that yeah exactly i'm on the same page dude i've i take pills so that i can have a boring brain that allows me to go and function in the world exactly well desiree right was that your yep desiree jenkins um Mm -hmm. Like so, what stuff do you do beyond the the medication things, like to to help with your your mental health stuff? Sleep. Um. <laughs> <laughs> no, I still, I still don't really have it down. Ah. Yeah, I'm still kind of figuring it out. Um, I try to keep myself busy if I'm having an extremely hard time. Um. Like, if I'm anxious about something or whatever else, I just try to find something to do to keep my mind busy. Or um, even being with somebody helps a little bit here and there. Sure. Um, Finding a hobby, you know, a new show to binge. Like, just anything like that that keeps me out of my mind. 
because once I get stuck in my mind, that's when I start to spiral for sure. But uh-huh. definitely, I'm, I'm even now, I'm still trying to find ways to cope a little bit better um, when the meds don't seem to be kicking in as much as they should be. Have you heard of catastrophizing? Mm-mm. So super common with a lot of us with anxiety is like it's very easy for shit to snowball and one thing equals the next slightly worse thing and then it just turns into like a clusterfuck of like it's almost like the rule of three sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um Star Wars? Mm. Oh no, sorry, that's rule of two. Um <laughs> But no, like the catastrophizing thing, like it's something that will land you in like where like what's perceived as procrastinating. Mm -hmm. Really, we're just kind of stuck in this mindset. And so like the sleeping or um, listening to music, like doing anything other than what we think we should be doing. Mm-hmm. And then that time passes, and we go, "Fuck! I wasted my whole day." Mm-hmm. And then I do you that feel even worse. Very often, yeah. So, so yeah, so like catastrophizing is allowing your brain to go to, or not your brain, but like your mental state to go to like these other places that haven't happened. And mm-hmm. if you if you keep going with the, this is what could happen, then shit's gonna get fucked up. Yeah, I often find if I'm, like, extremely anxious for some reason or if there was, like, something that happened, it's really hard to find something to do. Like, if I'm, if I've fallen too deep in it, I would literally just lay there and I don't even know what to do with myself. Like, it gets, it sucks, like, getting myself out of that. So sometimes I'll, like, force myself to take a shower or something so I can at least get myself back up to the mindset where I can find something to keep me busy but being in that just deep hole I literally just lay there with just just panicking just tummy ache oh yeah Yeah. that's the other thing that like people think that like you can just kind of like grin and bear anxiety too like if you have clinical anxiety you like physical shit does start to happen Mm -hmm. like you can start to feel like you are having a heart attack it can fuck with your blood pressure enough to where you have like a stroke like people people think that like the the mental stuff is like oh, i'm just being a baby or i'm just being mm. this or that it's like no nah, man like real physical shit can start to happen if you don't address it mm-hmm. so if you're listening and you're thinking that like i'll be fine you might not be yeah there's definitely <laughs> been a, a couple times where i you know have had to leave work early you know sensory overload like oh like, literally can't get myself to calm down. I've had coworkers literally, like, are you okay? Because they could see me visibly shaking because something happened at work that kind of got it going. And then suddenly everybody's being super freaking loud or just really irritating to me. Or I'm hearing my name every two seconds when I'm actually not sort of thing. And then just it's all too much at once. And then having to explain that, well... I do have some supervisors that are pretty understanding, but there have also been supervisors that just don't understand that. They think, oh, we'll just move you to like a different section or things will calm down soon. Go take a break. And I literally have to say, no, like I would like to go home. Like I literally, that's not how it works. It's just not going to go away in two seconds. Like my brain, that's just not the way it works, homie. Like I got to go. 
Uh, do you have hydroxyzine? Mm-mm. <gasps> no way. Okay, so hydroxyzine is like is close to like an over the counter med for anxiety that you can get, mm-hmm. but it's something that needs to be prescribed. Yeah. Um, they did have me on uh lorazepam for a little bit when I first oh, okay. got diagnosed, yeah. but I I was in college at the time and I. I would take it and I would end up sleeping through my class. That shit knocks you the fuck out. So yeah, that's the stop only. Stop taking that pretty uh, pretty quickly. A lot of that stuff is like they call it like uh like souped up Benadryl. Mm-hmm. Is like, which I get that like how it's working is it's trying to calm everything down. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what they put in there, but yeah, it's usually makes you fucking tired. So that's the only shitty thing is like Either that or you just feel too loopy to really be able to function well that was the nice thing with the hydroxyzine is like i didn't feel loopy it just Mm -hmm. felt like it felt like i had waited long enough to where i could drink my coffee like it's not scolding hot Mm -hmm. because you know how like you have like that visceral reaction when it's too hot of coffee hits your tongue and you're like fuck Mm -hmm. i'm not gonna be able to taste my skittles anymore for the rest of the day (laughs) like it just felt kind of like that where it's like okay now I can take sips and not freak out. So like now I can take a step and not freak out because I I had to be <laughs> wheeled away in a wheelchair one time because I had such a, a bad anxiety attack and like so yeah I'm right there with you with the but th- there's tons of options like and that's the other thing that sucks is like doctors go to school and they learn about like the one kind of thing that they think you should do Mm -hmm. um and then they just kind of stick with it especially like a nurse practice nurse practitioner or like a primary doctor like they see the same people over and over and and shit like that and so they get into like this rhythm of like we'll do one of two things and that's probably what it is and if it's not then let me refer you to somebody because i don't do that right not everything works the same way for everybody too um one thing that I find that helps, um, like I said before, I can't smoke weed. It just makes me too anxious. Um, but I recently tried Delta 8, and that actually when I'm either having problems falling back asleep or if I'm just extremely anxious, mm-hmm. it does help a lot. And it doesn't give me like the paranoid freak out kind of head high. Like I've actually accidentally, like before work, gotten way too high. And I was able to go to work and function for the 20 minutes that it lasted or whatever mm-hmm. and not absolutely just freak out and be like, <laughs> oh, I can't go to my table. I'm really high. I'm sorry. <laughs> but I was actually able to do it versus like weed. I would have been like, I can't come in. You know, I actually was able to go to work. And when I'm anxious, it helps me calm down a lot. That's so it was I've nice heard. being able to uh, to find that. And a lot of people don't know about that, actually. I talked to my doctor about that the other day. And she's like, it's funny because I literally just had my niece or whoever telling me about this. And I never heard of it before. So The only, like, I don't want to say scary thing about that, but, like, thing that makes it so that it might not be around forever is the fact that it's partially synthetic. Mm-hmm. And so with that, like, if it, if enough people start trying it, then that broadens the audience. Yep. And so people who have really visceral reactions takes enough of that and then they take it off the market because. 
Yeah. But most of the people that I've spoken to, it's, yeah, that, that weed made them paranoid mm-hmm. or too anxious or whatever. And so they, but they do Delta 8 and it doesn't affect them the same at all. Yeah. And it's definitely not something that I just do all the time. It's most of the time it's just when I'm, you know, I, I want to go to bed soon and not be up until, you know, 7 a.m. or yeah. when I'm just feeling yucky, like mentally and kind of want something to help calm me down a little bit at least in all of this mental health stuff i'm i'm curious like what's what's your relationship like with your two younger siblings oh i love them and so do you talk to them in a way that's mental health positive like you know what i mean like with with my kids like noticing them starting to showcase some signs of like anxiety and things like that I, like my wife and I like talk about it like immediately where we're like, it's okay to feel like this. It's okay to, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. so do you find yourself like consciously kind of like letting your younger siblings know that like, it's, does that make sense where I'm trying to go? Yeah. With, like, I mean, I've never really thought about it when I've done it. I guess it's just something that just kind of happens or like comes out. I don't, my younger brother's at that age where he's just, he wants to hang out with his buddies and play his games. He, he loves me, and he'll like come out and see me when I whenever I come over. But uh, we definitely don't have as close of a relationship as we used to, or as me as uh, me and my younger sister. She's the youngest of the family. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, she's my best friend, and you could tell that she's always messaging me on my mom's Facebook. Hey, Kayla, when are you gonna come over? Aww. Sort of thing. But um, yeah, whenever she's struggling with something, I'll do my best to comfort her. But um. That stuff doesn't really come up a whole lot. Or if it does, I'm just not there at the time. And my mom won't bring it up till like, maybe later on. Um, yeah, but it's definitely something that I will be paying attention to as she gets older, even as my brother gets older, too. Because I feel like um, mental health with guys, with men, is a little bit different. Um, definitely not paid attention to as much as mental health in girls. So I'll definitely be paying attention to Grayson too, for well, sure. It it takes so much more like to get people yeah. to take it seriously for guys. Mm-hmm. It's it's definitely getting better, but like it's there's still quite a few. I, I just talked to somebody not too long ago that was like saying that they didn't understand anxiety in this certain. I can't like get super detailed about it because whatever, but. <laughs> Basically, there was somebody who was having some uh, pretty intense anxiety issues, but because they're perceived as like manly and yeah X Y Z, like this person just couldn't comprehend why they couldn't just do their job, mm-hmm. why they can't just do this thing, and it's like clinical anxiety, like is fucking immobilizing, like it's really bad. Mm-hmm. Um, do you talk with your uh, with your mom about the any of that mental health stuff like w- when it comes to what she maybe didn't see um in you and in your brothers growing up like for the younger ones i honestly i don't feel like they've really gone through a whole lot of that stuff or at least not enough for my mom to notice or want to bring up the only time we o- we ever really discuss like mental health is um like with me and like what's going on with me or um, my younger brother that lives with her, uh, the 21-year-old. Otherwise, um, the kids, 
I just think if there's anything that's more mental health related, that maybe she might see it as more of, like, kids being kids or whatever else. But um, they both seem to be, I guess, from what I see, I don't see them all the time. But I don't see anything that really needs to be discussed, I guess. I don't think my mom does either, because I know she would come to me if there was something that she was concerned about. Oh, okay. About. That's yeah. what I was going to say was not, not that your, your youngest siblings are like exhibiting those things, but mm-hmm. like in, in the sense of like, they're like, they're getting to that age now to where we do start to see like signs of yeah if something is going to be coming in the future. Like, I think the only thing that my mom's really super noticed or brought up about my sister is that she's a big mom's girl. She's really clean with my mom. Mm. Um, like, and they're, they just moved, but like in their old house, like she'd always sleep with my mom and they'd always be having movie time together and she just couldn't like stand the idea of my mom going. We just like recently, not recently, but a few months back, we went to Branson, Missouri mm. and uh, Salem was just absolutely heartbroken that she couldn't come with. Oh, like I'm it sure. took a little bit for me and my mom to be like, Bean, you're not going to have a good time. We're going to be busy doing all this other stuff related to my mom's business or whatever else. But like the idea of being away from her for that long um otherwise other than her being maybe a little bit overly attached to my mom and probably not as not that she needs to be independent yet because she's still a kid but um there's gonna have to be she's gonna have to grow apart at least a little bit from my mom eventually you know how old is she uh she'll be um 11 next month Oh, okay. Yeah, and then uh, my younger brother Grayson just turned twelve in August. Okay. Yeah, they're exactly the same age apart to the day as me and my older brother are actually. Oh wow. Yeah. That's wild. Yeah. So I kind of know what relationship they're gonna have in the next <laughs> few years, and I'm telling her right now, good luck. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I mean, th- those are that is like the age, like where, like you you could start to notice anxiety and things like that especially mm-hmm. with fucking puberty coming up it's yeah. gonna like hormones only exacerbate those things and it fucking sucks and... she was uh my god she ever sees this she's gonna kill me she was crying <laughs> not too long ago because she, her boobies are coming in oh and she didn't like it and she cried i remember my niece yeah that's... mom i don't want boobies she said <laughs> Or like when like armpit hair starts to come uh-huh. in and stuff like that. Oh yep. yeah, it's, Grayson's uh, growing a mustache right now, and uh, he's officially taller than me. <laughs> and he's twelve, and I'm very depressed about it. My son is going to be thirteen in May, and we wear the same shoe size now. Gross. <laughs> Have you listened to any of the episodes from the show? Uh, the one that you recommended, I did. I think it was before work. I watched. Probably like 20, 15, 20 minutes of it. Okay. Did you catch my little three-step spiel about addiction? I don't think so. Okay. So I, I try to do this because it it helps put like a um objective standpoint on addiction rather than like it being completely on the person being an asshole. Addicts are definitely assholes from time to time, but um, so like when we were cave people, um, early early on in evolution, uh, the body needed a way to 
get us to go and do uh, things that we needed, like drink water, get food, basic shit like that. Um, so that's where dopamine comes from. Mm-hmm. Is it's just that little reward juice. So it's saying, so like back in the evolutionary stages, body was like, hey, you drink water. Fucking, you're killing it. Fucking tight. (laughs) Hell yeah, brother. And then, but when substance came along, it for some reason hit the same receptor. So it introduces that dopamine. And I try to talk about it like this because you're on a subconscious level. So you have your your, uh, midbrain. Um, oh my God, I'm blanking on the, but basically you have three steps, subconscious, contemplation, and then action are the, the two areas of the brain or the three areas of the brain that like function together. So midbrain says we need some water goes to the next part of the brain. And then that part says, okay, we need water. Where are we going to go get the water? We're going to go steal it from the neighbor. So then that goes to the prefrontal cortex. Hey, look, I remember the other part. (laughs) So the prefrontal cortex is like, okay, let's go over to Steve's and steal some fucking water. When substance gets introduced, and it's because it's introducing twice as much dopamine, your midbrain, that subconscious thing goes, oh, we are surviving super fucking well. It has no idea like that we're at a party or any shit like that. It just knows the survival juice got introduced, so that's it. It means we're surviving in some way. So in addicts, we start to skip step two and just go straight to action because the midbrain is so used to all of that dopamine that it literally carves out another channel and... It'll be like, look, dude, we're not getting as much of that dopamine as we normally do. That means we're not surviving as well. So as far as the midbrain's concerned, it means we're not drinking water, we're not sleeping, we're not doing like the shit that we're supposed to do. Um, when ironically, like substances are keeping us doing from the shit that we're supposed to be doing. But the subconscious part has no fucking idea that that's what's going on. So with addicts, when when people think that the addict is like choosing substance over loved ones, it's kind of true, but addiction is the disease of choice. We're like, we chose to partake, but we had no choice in what would happen afterwards. So, I mean, there were times when I'm reaching for a bottle, even though I don't want it. Or I'm not like consciously being like, yeah, I need, I really want to get fucked up right now. Like it would just happen. And it's because your body thinks that we got to do this shit to survive. So it sucks that technology has like been advancing more because now it's more than just substances. It's gambling. It's, it's porn. It's there, but it, it'll do the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why, like, with porn addicts, like, a lot of times shit will get more and more extreme because that that shock factor isn't introducing that dopamine. So it just gets more and more intense. Or, like, gambling, like, the stakes get higher and higher. Or mm-hmm. you're spending more fucking time because you haven't caught any of that dopamine yet. Mm-hmm. So I hope that helps, like, in when you 
when you're interacting with addicts and like trying to describe it to them because when you go to addicts with like ultimatums it's not going to connect with that subconscious part mm-hmm. like they may have the best of like if i would have known that that's what the fuck was going on with my brain before all of that stuff i would have been like oh cool i'm just never going to drink again because i would way rather be with my family and doing literally anything else yeah i definitely saw that with my dad for sure yeah so it's like when yeah to me it's like a a massive hole in like the way that even like aa and like most treatment centers are not like helping people in that regard like i feel like it's such a massive piece that helps so much to to both dealing with addiction as an addict and to like the family members to be like oh because we it looks like because like the disease we're the vehicle that like carries it Mm -hmm. and vocalizes it it looks like it's completely us we're completely in control we're totally saying fuck you to the family and everybody else because that's what it must be what we want Mm -hmm. or we must be so selfish that we like we don't even think about anybody's feelings or anything like that because we all we want is that shit Mm -hmm. so yes what i'm saying is you go to your stepdad and pin him down to the ground and then just flick him in the midbrain and go, no. <laughs> so, yeah, just do that and then everything will be better. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. That's all you got to do. <laughs> just like that. Um, Seeing my dad, you know, he was an alcoholic my whole life. And there are a few times where I felt almost bad or that I wasn't doing enough but then as I got older I realized that I at no point in time was ever going to be able to help my dad until he was ready to help himself so I feel like a lot of people need to understand that sometimes you just have to be there for them and then once they're ready to take that next step they will do it I mean it like I said I literally took my dad almost dying until he got sober but he's been sober since June now so did he have like pancreatitis or? Um, actually, he blacked out in the shower, and then he got in. They ended up finding um, some sort of growth in his prostate. Oh fuck! COVID, diagnosed with oh diabetes. Um, he had sepsis. Um, some sort of infection. Was it his pancreas? I wonder. Um, cirrhosis of the liver. Of course. Yeah. So he was. He, if it had been any longer, he would have died for sure. Damn. Yeah. So, I mean, it took that much for him to finally say, okay, that's enough. But um, as morbid as it may seem, I'm glad that he at least finally got to that point where he's like, you know, I'd rather be here able to hang out with my family and see my kids grow up and whatever. I'd rather do that than, you know, have another drink and potentially not see tomorrow. So, yeah. Well, I mean, I'm not trying to, like, spook you, but the statistics for individuals that make it without relapse is, like, 5%. Mm-hmm. It fluctuates, but it's really low, so... Just this progress, this is the longest that he's ever gone my whole life, and just him going this long makes me happy, so... Yeah. Oh, cool. what I was going to say was, like, relapse doesn't mean that, like... 
it goes back to that whole yeah. midbrain thing. Is like it's not that they want to fucking go through all that shit again. Like it mm-hmm. just the the brain tricks you into thinking like we had a shit day at work and the only way we're going to be able to cope with it is if we have another or have a drink or whatever. Like, mm-hmm. So yeah, relapse does not mean that that person is totally throwing all that shit out. The yeah, window. It doesn't like, mean they can't be sober again. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, yeah, dude, thank you so much for one, for making the trip. I, yeah. <laughs> I appreciate it. Thanks that. for having me. I definitely was a little apprehensive at first cause you know, socially awkward and stuff but i also like to go on tangents because adhd but yeah it was fun it was interesting definitely new that's for sure i love to talk (laughs) even if it's awkwardly but i love to talk i never stop talking well dude if if you listen back to this and like there's something that you missed and you or just at random like if there's something you want to cover and like that you haven't been able to talk about more than welcome to come back I always offer that to people because the goal is to help others to mm-hmm. not feel so alone in, in the shit that they're dealing with. And things do get better, too. Like like I said, just seeing where my parents were when I was younger and then where they are now. Like my dad being sober now and then my siblings, my younger siblings, being able to get the things that we didn't get when we were younger. Doing the sports, being in band, basically anything that they want, they get. And that it makes me a little bit sad, but also I'm really happy for them too. So it's definitely, uh, things can get better, even if it doesn't seem like they will. Yeah. And then you meet super hot people like Jordan and... Yes. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, "Hmm, what? (laughs) Well, yeah, dude, thank you again for doing this. Um, And to the listeners, be well to yourselves.